Thanks for joining the Capital Church podcast channel. For more resources and to learn more about Capital Church, please visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. Wow. So have the honor of being able to speak this morning on a topic that I'm really excited about. But you know what one of the greatest things that we have to remember? What's God's chosen instrument to reach the world? It's the local church. Isn't that amazing? Of all the things he could have chosen, he created this, what we're a part of around the world, to reach the world. And there's something amazing about the local church that I just absolutely love. And so I can't wait to talk about some things this morning. We've got a few visuals that we'll be sharing to be able to give you a little idea of what we're going to be talking about that will be on the screens here. And so we're going to show this to you. Let me know if that's, there it is. So let me put this in a full screen here. So one of the greatest things about the way God has designed us is he's created us to abide in him, to connect with him. And you know what that requires? It requires some heavenly habits. So as we roll into 2021 and roll out of 2020, what a difference. There's some people in the eye care world that decided to name their company, uh, X and Y Company, official sponsor of 2020. They erase that right in about the middle of the year. Get that off our logo. <laughs> We're not longer sponsoring that. But we have an opportunity this morning to talk about something that I'm excited about, and that is this verse out of John 10. 10. It starts out about a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but this summarizes the heart of Christ, the second half. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Come on. It's abundantly time, right? It's time to take the jacket off here. So when it comes to abundantly, one of the first ways you can kind of describe abundantly, it's, it's kind of goes without saying, you describe it basically through snowball fight. Oh, oh man, okay. All right, got out of most of those. So abundantly is the idea that this is not a boring place to be. You know what? Most of the church world, when it comes to what the people on the outside believe, they think it's a boring place. Would you guys agree? It's a sleep. No, no, what the world thinks of the church. The world thinks that this is a place where it's boring, where there's these long sermons, you have to give money, you, you, you know, have all this guilt and conviction. That's not the heart of God, is it? The heart of God is exactly there. I came that might have life and have it abundantly. And there's nothing like an abundant life. But you know what? We don't get that abundant life without actually abiding. You got to abide. You can have a hose, but unless you turn the thing on, it's not going to flow. All the water's there. The whole reservoir is there. But we've got to actually enable it to come through. And one of the things that's probably the greatest way to tell if you're living an abundant life is in what we call the fruit of the Spirit. God is a great fruit inspector. He loves the fruit of our lives. And it's actually summarized in a beautiful way in Galatians. And in Galatians 5, in our family, we call this living in the nine. We want to live in the nine. Well, what's the nine? There are nine fruits of the Spirit. Let's take a look at the verse. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things... There is no law. Why would there be? You don't want the law against any of those things. The actual law comes a few verses later when it describes the things we don't want. <clears throat> you know that verse in Galatians 5. But this fruit of the Spirit is something so extraordinary that God wants to come out of our lives. Can we just do a quick little um, back and forth here? Think about in this very church, when you say the word love, one of the great fruits of the Spirit, who comes to mind? Just yell it out. Someone who's known for love. Shane, Shane Grove, <clears throat> known for love. That is so true. What about joy? Who comes to mind? Kelly. Kelly comes to mind for joy. How about peace? Marshall? Yes. Excellent choice. How about patience? Marshall also? <clears throat> okay. When you think of kindness, who comes to mind? Kirsten, she is kind, isn't she? How about goodness? Kelly, also goodness. Pastor Connie, goodness, yes. This was, this was done in first service. Most of your names were mentioned also, by the way. 
They wanted a discount on their tithe, but that's not why they said it. Just kidding. <laughs> what about faithfulness? Joel, yep, excellent. Patty Rooks, oh yes, very much so. And what about self-control? JP, Pastor Chris, yeah, Pastor Chris, I'd like the maple bar, but I'm going to avoid the maple bar. Self-control. Well, you know, this fruit of the Spirit list, think about the fact that God's heart is that we show up in this living in the nine all the time. It's the outcome of abiding. It's the outcome of what he's designed us to be. But let me ask you a question. What do you want to be known for if the same question is asked in a future sermon when they say, what do you think about this person? What do you want the fruit of the Spirit to be named and connected to you? Because you know what? We've all got to walk in this fruit to really be what God's desire is. And so that list is really exactly what God's desire is. And you know what? When the world sees that list, who doesn't want to hang around with that? There's nothing like people who exhibit these types of principles. But what we want to talk about today is really connected to what Pastor Ken just mentioned a little bit earlier, and that is first fruits. I've been really convicted in thinking a lot about this concept of first fruits, sequencing. What does God want first? And this whole ability to think about how to get there. Some of you are familiar with this illustration about the jar. You guys know about this? Where you've got multiple-sized rocks, you've got big rocks, little rocks, and then small ones. You guys, what's the principle here? How do you get them all in? You've got to start with the big ones. That's exactly right. What happens if you don't put the big ones in first? You can't get it all in. It's impossible. But if you do it in the right sequence, you can get everything in. It just has to be done in the right order. Is God the God of order? Oh, my heavens, is he ever. And you know what? There's a credible amount of order the way he's designed things. And when it also comes to uh, the parable of the talents, we've got a huge amount of information that we know about God where he wants us to use the skills and the gifts that we've been given. Amen? To be able to do something extraordinary. And when we think about this, the parable of the talents, it's all about three individuals that were given certain amounts of money and how they dealt with that money. Do you remember how it ends? The person who was given the most got back the most, and he was rewarded with more. The person that was given the second amount, similarly. But what happened to the third person? He put it away. He actually buried it, didn't he? He actually went through and went, I don't even know what to do with this. I'm going to put this away and not do anything with it. Has God given us an extraordinary amount of gifts? His desire is for us to see those abundantly grow. And if we don't grow them, what is his perspective towards the way we behave that way? It's not good. In fact, I even struggled with the verse at the very end. It talks about actually the punishment that comes with lack of turning something into a fruitful outcome, which is a little bit hard to, to hear, actually. But when you think about it, God's desire is to bless us so that we can, what? Be a blessing to others, right? That's always the way that it's been. And so we're going to be talking this morning about three different types of habits, heavenly habits around our time, our people, and also our financial habits. So one thing I really want to be clear on, though, um, when I was being uh, uh, in my early 20s and I came to Christ, I was so blown away by this concept in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, if you know this verse, for by grace are we saved through faith, not of works, it's a gift it's a gift you can't earn. Because you know what? If you could earn it, you know what heaven would be like? Hey, Joel, how'd you get here? Saved an old lady on a bus. How about you? We'd be bragging all the place, you know? It's not the way that it works. None of us have earned the right to be going to heaven because of anything we've ever done ourselves. The whole thing is a gift. I bring this up at the head of this message because we're going to be talking about some things that involve effort involve some level of performance, some level of habit. But I just want to say right here with a big stake in the ground, it's not about earning anything. It's about giving. It's about God's gift to us. And even once he's given us that gift, he expects us to do something with it, but we're not earning anything. Okay, can we be clear there? So please hear the heart of what we're going to talk about because it's all through grace. Now, many years ago, there was a youth pastor here by the name of Pastor Steve Maestral, and he said something that was excellent many years ago. He said, if you want to be a radical Christian, you need to do the basics. 
You need to do the fundamentals. And he said, if you look up radical in the dictionary, it actually says fundamentals. And I was kind of a bit of a um, doubting Thomas there. And I went, there's no way it says that. It says that. It's exactly what it says. If you look on the dictionary, which I pulled up for you, you don't have to look it up. I have it. I looked it up. It's right here. Radical, adjective, of or going to the root of or origin, fundamental. Number one in its definition. Is that crazy? You want to be radical? You do the fundamentals. They asked one of the top pro football teams years ago, how do you guys win so many games? Two things. We focus on the fundamentals. We focus on the way our team loves one another. Because the culture of love and care does something to performance like nothing else can. But we want to be radical Christians. It's about doing the fundamentals. It's really interesting. If you think about the manna, what was the manna designed to do? Is it designed to feed God's children? Guess what? How much could you collect in a day? Enough for one day. That was it. God designed it so we had to go out and get it each day. He designed an entire premise based on constantly going out and feeding ourselves. You know what the greatest desire of a parent is? Is to raise children that are self-feeders. Self-feeders, not just uh, naturally, but also spiritually. That's God's heart for us. How does he birth people into the kingdom who are disciples that are self-feeding, and then they can feed others? That's the greatest desire for any of us as parents. So let me ask you a question. What role uh, is there with discipline in discipleship? It's almost the same word. Disciple and discipline go together. Amen? It's not so easy, but this is really important because discipline creates outcome. And so when you think about it, when we're brand new Christians and we're kind of in a place of a position of fear or insecurity, God's desire is for us to become tender warriors, to grow and mature into a position where we are strong and able to walk in Him. Not strong in our own strength, but strong in His Spirit. That difference between what you see in that visual image there, someone who's there kind of uh, concerned and in a difficult place, and someone who is in a position of being filled with the Spirit, we're going to go through multiple times in our lives where the ups and downs come. Amen? It's not an easy time. There's a lot of difficult times people have been through, particularly this year. But let's look at Ephesians 6. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is not a fight against flesh and blood. It's a fight against things we cannot see. And if you can't see it, you better be equipped with Holy Spirit night vision because it doesn't come automatic. Right? you got to go and get this stuff in. But Pastor Ken's done a great job over the years talking about how it's always starting first in the natural, then in the spiritual. And this is an interesting connection because in order for us to have spiritual fruit, we have to have natural disciplines. Okay? It's not about earning it, but it's about being faithful in it. So here's a picture. Does that require a little discipline? Going from the far left to the far right there? Okay, from Mr. Uh, Turbo Tubby to Mr. Let's get on the cover of Abs magazine. So that requires, what type of discipline does that take? Every other Thursday? That takes daily, all day, no maple bars except for once a week, maybe, uh, type of a discipline. This is not easy to get there. But you know what? It's easy to see the discipline in the natural. Same thing. When we've had a little bit too much over the holidays for a while, you want to go from one place to another. 300-pound loss is a major step for someone. That's huge. Now, not everyone can do that. Some people have things that are going on in their life. We better be careful if we're judging. God's not done with our heart. Because you know what? My wife has a Bible that has a quote in the inside cover. It says something along the lines of, if we knew the secret pains of even our enemies, it would be enough to disarm us all. There is so much hurt and pain going on in people's lives that we have no knowledge of. And you know what? Who knows what's going on in someone's life? And so I want to be careful about these kinds of photos because this is not what the point is. The point is an illustration of fruit, of discipline that's consistent and ongoing. And you know what? When we do that, it's amazing. We also have habits that can go the other way. Here's a habit. This particular habit is not quite the same as the previous one. Okay, this is what it will look like based on uh, Thanksgiving break or, or uh, Christmas break. 
get that spaghetti perfectly aligned to the mouth there. Controller in the hand. So we have a rare opportunity to be able to think about which way are our habits taking us. Now, for some crazy reason, a year ago, my wife and I tried this nut idea by going all plant-based. So we've been doing that for one year. Haven't had any meat in a year. Someone brought bacon this morning. That was an interesting scent to hear. But you know what? There's some interesting things that are going on when it comes to the discipline of thinking with intentionality about it. But you know what? We live by faith, not by sight. What I just showed you, it's easy to see. Someone's getting muscular. Someone's losing weight. Someone's had something with their physical appearance. Those disciplines are easy to see. But when it comes to the spiritual disciplines, they're much harder to see. And when it comes to the muscle in you, God's Holy Spirit muscle, this is what God is interesting or interested in us changing and becoming tender warriors. Amen? God wants mature children that are ready to be able to take things on. Let's look at this verse in Timothy. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thoroughly equipped, I think, is the key phrase there. And so us here in this local church or the people at home that are tuning in through uh, the different ways that we can connect through streaming, we are here because we want to be thoroughly equipped. And you know what part of that equipping is? Is teach, being, uh, learning uh, God's Word and the teaching of great uh, material from His Holy Spirit, but also it's communing together. It's connecting in community. This pandemic has been difficult because it's kept people at home, but you know what God's heart is not for isolation, ever. Isolation is always about getting someone off by themselves. The banana that gets away from the bunch is the one that gets peeled, right? So keep that in mind. So... In our time habits, let's talk about this for a moment. When it comes to our time, this is a big deal, and there's a lot of elaborate things we could go into. We're just going to hit a few of these. One of them is the way we spend our time, and this is, again, coming back to the principle of first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek him first. Now, is that just like a nice biblical saying, or is that actually a principle God expects to occur? Remember back to the jar? If we don't seek him first, I don't know about you, but if I get up and I don't do my devotional time on abiding with the Lord, most of us have really busy days, very hard to get back to it. That big rock is gone, and I didn't get it in. You know what? Seeking first, I begin to take much more seriously to go, Lord, in our spiritual maturity, when you're a kindergartner all the way to college, to grad school, to doctorate school, etc., we kind of have these natural milestones that make us think about growth. But you know, once you get past education, we kind of don't get into this groove of constantly escalating our maturity. And I believe God's heart is not like that. It's about, hey, you should, I mean, why do we keep, you know, the certificates of graduation are about education? We've got to figure that out as Christians. We've got to continue to go forward. And if you think about it, this particular illustration here, the Bible that is falling apart is usually belonged to someone who isn't. You know? Because when you put God's Spirit in, you guys know that the Bible is alive, that this was spoken into existence by God himself. And in fact, if you go home, if you put this on the ground and you back up and you put a time-lapse camera on it, the Bible will actually move all over the room. It actually does not do that, but it, it seems like it should. It is alive. And that Word of God came from his breath and created something from nothing. Did you know in physics that's not possible? You can't do that in the physics or physical world. God does because he's completely outside of it. So when we take his word in, it creates, guess what? The nine. It creates the love, joy, peace, patience, etc. So first thing when you get up in the morning, what do most of us do? Devotional. What's another option that we often do? Check our phone. That's a whole other subject. It's a deep one. But if this is the way that we start our morning into the glow of Instagram or text or email or calendar, it's taking us away from God's heart. It's taking us away from the big rocks. Because the principle is first, seek ye first my Instagram feed, and I will have better likes and influence. Well, you know what it actually does? 
The research is now showing that it causes depression at massive scale. It causes people to be completely unhappy with themselves because the curated perfection of everyone else's lives and vacations that you weren't invited to makes us feel unconnected and not well and good enough. It's something that is absolutely causing huge amounts of suicide. It's causing such a huge amount of displeasure with our own self-worth. And I'll tell you, it's one thing I wish I could change about providing phones to our own family because you think you're giving something that's a blessing and it can be such a massive distraction. And you know what? It's hard on our human lives not to have that constant dopamine connection. God does not intend for good things to be turning into curses. And again, this is a whole other subject, but this is a really sad reality of our world. This has become the default place to go when we don't have anything else. We used to go, oh, let me tip my chin up and think about the Lord instead of tipping it down. Because this takes us into a place that does not bring fruit. Now, like all things, some things are really good. Fire in the fireplace is a phenomenal thing. Provides warmth. It's a joy. Fire burning a house down or racing through California is detrimental and a curse. We have to be reminded that sometimes these things we think are good in the wrong place are really, really hurting us very badly. When it comes to a morning devotional, um, a dear friend of mine gave me a book years ago called Moments with the Savior. This was written by Ken Geyer. I've read it so many dozens of times. And what I love about this devotional is it takes God's scripture, his word, and takes a certain picture like when the four friends brought the, uh, the paralytic up through the roof and uh, got through the uh, rooftop and brought him down to have Jesus heal him. Remember that story? What Ken Geyer does is he goes, you know what, let's back up and let's think about what it's like to be a paralytic what it's like to live on a mat and stare at the ceiling and let that be your only priest, so to speak. And if every time you need to go to the bathroom or get some food, you have to disturb others your whole life. And then these four friends come together and bring them to a place where they can actually disrupt the rooftop and Jesus honors their ingenuity and heals him and changes his life and transforms it. And you know what? It's a powerful thing that when your mind starts that way this morning, and you put that big rock of, thank you, Lord, for your grace, and I have a new grid to look at the world through. So everything I do after that big rock comes in is filtered through his thinking and not ours. That's how we get a heavenly habit that honors God. Amen? So this is a phenomenal book. I'm going to give this to somebody. Who would like this? So you in the blue right there, first hand. You're going to love this. This is a powerful book. There you go. The Broncos. Okay, I'm giving away the laptop next. Get ready. Just kidding. <laughs> Another one is Jesus Calling. I don't know how uh, they do this, but 360 some of these, any Jesus Calling fans? Just incredible. Now, the best devotional, now these are, are biblical devotionals, is God's Word. But you know what? We often take it like it's a, um, a little crab cake at some event. I haven't had a crab cake in a year, but, you know, a crab cake or whatever it would be. It's just we take this little dainty morsel and think we've had a meal. I'm sorry, but reading Jesus Calling by itself is a nice little crab cake. It's delicious, but you know what? God meant us to have an entire meal. Now, that's not always possible. It's not always uh, feasible. But you know what? When we think about how much screen time we put on here, there's a little app that can actually tell you how much screen time you have. And I really believe that God wants our screen time numbers to go to Him having the screen through which we see the world. Amen? Also, when it comes to tools, I'm just going to mention, I'm a huge Amazon Alexa uh, fan. So two things. Number one, when you tell Alexa to do things, say please and thank you. So when the robots take over the world, they'll know who to be nice to. <laughs> so I started saying, Alexa, do this, please. Thank you. It still works. But the other thing I love about this is you can tell Alexa, open the Bible. Read me Proverbs 13. Read me Ephesians 6. You can find tools that are phenomenal. Uversion app, incredible way to have this on your Bible. You know what else it does? You can hit play. And while you're shaving or getting ready, you can have God's Word read to you. We need to find frictionless methods to be able to bring God's Word into our lives much more efficiently because we use so many of these wonderful new technologies for things that distract us away from God. Let's put them to work back for God. Amen? So when it comes to our time, let's just be thinking about the fact that sometimes this blessing can also be bondage. 
And you know what? We've got to be very careful with the way that we give this to our children. By the way, I found out about this. I have no connection to this company at all. It's called, I think, Gab Wireless. They came out with a phone that looks like an iPhone, so a teenager can still be at school and still look cool, but it has no Internet access. It has no apps to get to other than text mom or dad with no photos. It has no way to get into mischief. In fact, it's probably not a bad idea for most of us adults to have it because there's no way to be able to be distracted. And so I think it's like less than $100. So again, I have nothing to do with that company, but I just thought, good, someone is coming up for ways to be able to help us. You know, we don't buy a bunch of sweets in our house if we're on a diet. Not having them next to us is a big idea. This is hard not to have next to you. So we've got to be careful. So again, back to the first fruits. Honoring God with our first fruits with our time. So let's ask ourselves about one key question. Sequence. Does sequence matter? So let's answer that. Let's look at a couple of principles. If you're baking a cake, does it matter that you put things together in the right sequence? It absolutely does. If you put the frosting with the flour, it just doesn't work. You've got to actually put it on after it's baked and it works a little bit better. Natalie and I were at a friend's house years ago, and I was making cookies. I don't know why I was making cookies at somebody else's house, but I was. And we were making them, and I put them in, and they just kept melting. They didn't rise. And I was like, well, what is wrong? I must not have put enough flour in. So I got the batch, put more flour in, did it, and it got worse. Tried it one more time, a lot more flour, and it got way worse. I didn't realize I was putting powdered sugar in, not flour. That would explain the behavior of the pan. So sequence and the right ingredients both have some impact. But when it comes to sequence, this is hugely important because when it comes to the sequence, for example, of planting, you've got to do it in the right order. I bring this up just to remind us that God has everything figured out so beautifully. And if we follow his order, if we become fundamentally radical and we do the order, it's amazing. So here's a good example. Well, I have all the right numbers. I have all the right uh, information. Well, does the sequence matter when it comes to a vault? Absolutely it does. We've got to be careful that we're not just following the right ingredients, but putting them in the right order. If we do that, it's amazing how much better things come out or how much more access we get to the treasure. So when it comes to time, all kinds of things we could talk about about time, but can I ask you to join together and join us in a commitment to saying, Lord, I refuse to let this little device, become more of a God than you are. And to start the day, I will no longer go right to feeds. I will go to feed with you. Because I have decided a couple years ago, no more will I wake up and do anything other than do the devotional first. And you know what? Even while you're doing your devotional, if it's doing it on your phone, here comes the text, here comes the feed, here comes the alert, here comes the notification. You know what? Swipe it away and go, no, Lord, every time I'm going to honor you by... treating you with the first priority. Do you think that will honor God? It will honor our lives immensely. All right, let's talk about people habits. What are our habits with people? What would heaven want to see us in the way we treat people? So I believe that one of the greatest things we can do is follow what's in Philippians 2. that says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. Humility, do what? Consider others better than yourselves. And then each of you should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. You know who is the great model of this? Christ himself. King of the universe comes down, enters the body of an infant on that silent night we sang about. And then as he grows up, he gets on his knees and he washes the feet of his disciples. Washes them. On this very platform, Uh, Back in July, my daughter was married to a young man named Isaiah, and he told us he was going to wash her feet during the marriage ceremony. Remember that? I'd never seen that happen before. It was a precious thing to watch and to model and to say, I promise to serve this person with my life, and I will wash their feet. And you know what? When it comes to this Philippians verse, consider others better than yourselves. Can I just tell you, if you're in the business world, that's not a common practice. Common practice is shotgun. I go first. I'm sitting in the front. And you know what? If we will consider others better, we will demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit in a way that will confuse people in a good way. Because you know what? We want to demonstrate what's different about the way they do things. Because servant leadership is Christ's leadership. 
and considering others. Now, I don't know what it is about this next key piece, and that is a verse that has to do with encouragement. So Hebrews 10 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, like we are here in the local church, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Encourage one another. Barnabas was the famous encourager. I'm convinced Barnabas had really bad DNA and had very few relatives. No offspring. Because how many encouragers are there in the world today? I counted, I think there's 11. Would you guys agree? There are so few encouragers. And I don't know what it is about encouragement. It's, to me, the simplest thing to speak with your mouth and give someone courage and life and inspiration. For some reason, we don't do it. I don't understand why. We used to drive our, our girls to school uh, when they were young, and on the way to school, we'd remind them, who are you going to encourage today? Pick somebody. Think in your head. Is it a student? Is it a teacher? Because leaders encourage. And then, well, I don't know what to say, Dad. Tell them you love their outfit, which is an inside joke because they go to a school like they wear like Catholic uniforms. So everybody wears the same outfit. So I like your outfit is funny. At least it was to us. About twice. So... We have an opportunity to speak life. And can I just remind us again? People are going through so much more than you have any idea. There is so much depth to what people are facing, and they're trying to hide it. But you know what? When you encourage someone, when you speak life to them, it brings something out of them that they have no ability to give themselves. And so this is a huge opportunity. Years ago, I went to a funeral. And those of you who have been at this church a long time, we came up with an idea, and that was, why in the world do we say all of these pleasant things to someone when they passed? Did anybody bother to say this stuff when they were alive? So why don't we do a living eulogy? Call it a yuli. Not a wet willy, different thing. A yuli is something where you speak life to someone while they're actually alive. That's the whole idea of doing it when they're around. And so is there somebody here that would like to, grab a mic real quick, um, give someone a yuli? To speak life to somebody. Anybody? Just raise your hand. We got a mic. You can actually just pick somebody in here. Go ahead. Got one right back there. Orange. There you go. Um, recently, we just hired two new employees and my wife has a lot more patience than I do and is able to train a lot better than I do. So I've been kind of staying at home daddy for the last month. And she's done a phenomenal job with just trying to get everybody on the same page and giving me grace and not messing the household up too bad. So my wife. Thanks, baby girl. This is Kelsey Susie, by the way. It's good. You know what? By simply taking a moment to say, thank you, I adore you, I appreciate you, I value the gifts that you possess, there's nothing like being able to speak life to someone else. So one of the great heavenly habits of being able to use the gifts God has given us is to speak life to others. Because you know what? As a parent, if you're a parent, when you watch your kids speak life to one another, when you watch them love on each other, compliment one another, what does that do to you as a parent? And you know what? There's a hidden apologetic in it as well because God said that when the world sees the love we have one for another, it will prove that you're my disciples. There is a beautiful hidden apologetic in our love one for another. And you know what? We're all about the world of adoption. And would you really want to be adopted by a family that doesn't encourage each other and just bickers? I'd want to be adopted by a family that's filled with life and grace and encouragement. Amen? So give someone a Yuli, not a wet willy, a Yuli. Think about doing that, and you know what? You'll set a whole new tone and pace for their life. One other habit we got to be careful when it comes to people is this. The separation that comes when we bring these devices in because it's so easy to isolate instead of connect. And this is a huge problem that we have in our society. We've got to figure out how as Christians that we connect to each other instead of connecting to something that is so temporary. Just ask yourself, what do you remember about yesterday's scroll? that I didn't get invited to that party that I saw. That's what I remember. So this is a huge part of what we've got to figure out in the financial habits. Let's think about this. God's heart for our numbers, for our money, 
is really more about faith than anything else. Because you know what? Faith is his economy. Faith is what he's designed us to connect with. I don't know exactly how or why, but there's something about us trusting when we don't understand that honors him. And you know what? Does God really need our cash? He suspended the earth over nothing. He made everything. Hey, let's make Adam and Eve. Yeah, I think he could make a pile of hundreds pretty fast. Does not need our money. But you know what he does need? Does want? He wants our hearts. He wants our trust. And you know what? There's also the natural world, first the natural, then the spiritual. When we do give, it's something we get to be a blessing because there are things called the local church designed to reach the world. And that connection of our faith and our distribution of life is what creates transformation. But when it comes to the financial habits, what I think is interesting is that I started really thinking about sequence. Because when it comes to money, it's interesting when you think about, okay, we know the verse about storing up for ourselves treasure on earth and really how it's about storing it up uh, in heaven and putting our heart into the things. It's where our money goes. But you know what? When we think about it, does the sequence also matter? So I started thinking about, hmm, God's heart is that we seek him first. The jar analogy, if you don't put the big rock in first, you may not get everything in. So payday doesn't come on Sunday mornings for most of us. It comes on a different day. And so we saw a clip I'm going to show you just real briefly before we close to illustrate this, but I began to be very convicted by the fact that, you know what? If you're running close on money and you don't tithe right when you get paid, what's the chances of being able to tithe later? It diminishes, doesn't it? Well, what does that actually say to God? Now that I'm here, I can see I can't pay my tithe. So I'm not going to. It's just not possible. Well, what does that show to God? The principles of first are now being violated. Again, back to Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We're not talking about works. We're not talking about earning. We're not talking about performance. Hear my heart. We're talking about you're a child of God. You're someone that God wants to be extremely fruitful Well, God, if I want to be fruitful, I want to honor you in every way I can. Because when you have someone going, I'm going to honor you in every way I can. And any of you who are employers, when you have employees that act like owners, that think with intuitive initiative, that get ahead of things, that show up early and work hard with a great heart, the greatest thing you can have with an employee is three words. Somebody who does things rapidly, thoroughly, and cheerfully. Because God viewing us through a, are they being rapid, cheerful, and thorough? Let's bless them. And again, it isn't about the earning. It's about honoring. And so when I started thinking about giving, I started thinking, you know what? I use all kinds of timers and reminders to keep me on schedule. I thought, when I have a direct deposit, let's say on a Friday, I wonder if I should be setting up an alarm to say, Friday morning, following devotional, I'm giving. Because it's coming out first. First fruits. Then it's guaranteed I'm never going to miss. And I'm a huge believer in tithing. Because you know what? I was raised in an environment that was required. You had to do it to be granted access. We are given the ability to give because we want to. Not because of a requirement. But we have an opportunity to demonstrate to God a heavenly habit of saying, you know what? Let's get serious about this. Not in a legalism way, but of I want to do everything to honor God because he does everything for me. Amen? So let's take a look at this clip, and we'll close after this. But take a deeper look at this video clip to illustrate what we're talking about in terms of first. Two men bring an offering to the Lord. One of the fruit of the ground. The other, the firstborn of his flock. God accepts one and rejects the other. Why? Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. The word tells us clearly that the offering Abel brought was the firstborn of his flock. But it doesn't say that Cain brought the first fruits of his crops. It simply says, in the process of time, Cain brought an offering. Cain harvested his crops and over time gathered enough to bring an offering. It was an offering on Cain's terms. God accepted Abel's offering because it was the first of his increase. Cain's offering was rejected because it wasn't the first of his. 
Giving the first to God requires faith. When a firstborn lamb is born in a flock, it's not possible to know how many more lambs that you might produce. But Abel gave his firstborn lamb in faith, whereas Cain made sure he had enough for himself before giving to God. Many of us treat God the same way as Cain, making sure we have enough money before we see if there's anything left for God. Even if we give from what's left over, God can't accept the offering because it's not the first fruit. Other stories emphasize this truth. In the account of the fall of Jericho, the Lord gave strict instructions that the Israelites were not to keep any of the spoils from Jericho. All of it belonged to him, the Lord declared. Jericho belonged to the Lord because it was the first city conquered in the Promised Land. It was the first fruits. God withheld his blessing from Israel when one man took some of the spoils for himself. The first belongs to God. There was much more at stake than money when Abraham offered his firstborn son Isaac. When God asked for his son, Abraham didn't wait to have ten sons before giving Isaac. He gave the first when he only had one to give. Abraham had only the promise of having more sons. It took faith for Abraham to offer Isaac. Faith that God respected and blessed. And God did the same for us. He gave his first in the form of his son, his first and only begotten son, who was given to us while we were still sinners. God gave Jesus in faith that we might one day give our lives to him. The gift of his son came before the blessing of our repentance and salvation. We give our first fruits in much the same way. Before we see the blessing of God, we give it in faith. Giving the first fruits of your income says to God, I recognize you first, I am putting you first in my life, and I trust you to take care of the rest. Oh, my heavens, convicted by that. God gave us first before we gave to him. When he told Joshua, I want to open up the waters before you, they had to actually step in the water first before it parted. There's something about us making the first move that demonstrates our faith. And you know what? In God's desire for us to be tender warriors with our time, with the way we treat people, with our money, he wants us to be generous because he is generous. I was blessed with generous parents. My mother, incredibly generous, who's here this morning. My father was incredibly generous. And you know what? When we demonstrate generosity, it's so much easier to show how it looks and feels because it's God's heart. He's generous. And when you think about how we move through this world, Hebrews 6, it talks about we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And you know what? If we anchor ourselves to him and we anchor our habits into things that cause us to be radical because we're serious about fundamentals and the fundamentals bring the fruit that we get to live in the nine and the world goes, wow, I want to hang with that person because they bring life. They bring encouragement. And you know what? When it comes to our numbers, when it comes to the money, I want to live a life that says I did it every possible way I could. Not because I have to earn anything, but because I'm so grateful. Lord, let me do it right and be first. And when it comes to the anchor, how big of an anchor are we building? Because you know an anchor is designed to hold a giant ship. And sometimes our anchors are really immature. It's time for our anchors to look massive. It's time for it to look like something we can hang ourselves and our whole family and a generation on. We've got to figure out how to walk the walk. It's easy to talk the talk. Those weight loss pictures, that's hard. You know what's better, though? It's discipline in the spirit where we get so much more than a temporary gain. We want to have something that God would go, I love the way my children give me what's first. When it comes to being a warrior, a spiritual warrior, a warrior who protects, preserves, and empowers their spirit and those of others, because you know what? It's not about us. It's about us being prepared to serve others. I'm going to just read you this quick quote. A warrior knows discipline is the backbone of success. Discipline is the way of the warrior. You know what kind of discipline it took for Jesus to go to Calvary? Oh, my heavens. 
Wherever there's freedom, there's a warrior. And a warrior lives in a life of freedom. And a warrior helps others gain freedom from mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual suffering. And the warrior knows in order to gain freedom, we've got to be free ourselves. God called us to be tender warriors. The kind of warriors like David who could worship and who could also take off the head of Goliath. That's a disciplined person who's walking in God's anointing. Last verse and we'll close here. This is my favorite verse in all the Bible. In John 15, because a person who was raised in an effort-based environment, this is huge. And I have a daughter named Bailey who's here. I'm going to ask you to come up here to help me illustrate something, if you wouldn't mind, Bailey Grace. So Bailey's uh, finishing a senior year in college, and uh, we happen to be born on the same day. We are birthday buds, and it's been a joy and an honor to have a birthday girl. And Bailey is one of four sisters. But I want to illustrate something, if I can just let me hug you, my favorite thing in the world. There's a verse on the screen, it's John 15, and as I hug my little girl, I'm going to read this to you because this illustrates what God's heart is. He says, abide in me, and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And whoever abides in me, and I in him, he is that that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As I sit here and just hold this little girl, I thank God that when I came to Christ, he said, this isn't about earning anything. It's about hugging me. It's about grabbing the branch and holding onto the trunk and letting the sap of the Holy Spirit flow into you so your fruit grows without effort. This picture of abiding is God's heart. And I'm still to this day, 31 years later, uh, after being in this church, and a few years before that, being led to Christ by a pastor in Scottsdale, Arizona named Lane Franks, who I just talked to this week, one of my dearest friends in all the world, he taught this person that it's not about effort and earning, but about abiding and receiving a gift. Amen? And if we'll do this with the Lord every day, we'll grow something the world will want to see. Thank you, sweetie. <clears throat> If we want to have heavenly habits that honor God, let's think about in 2021 as we roll into a fresh new year to think about the way we first wake up and go, God, I want you. I love you. You're the big rock. I'll honor you. I'll put you in my life first. As we think about people, we're there to serve. Christ came not to be served, but to serve. And third, with our money, is there anything more obvious to God than us showing him our checkbook to say, I give it to you first. And I'm going to be intentional about it in 2021 at the end of this year like never before. And lastly, if you haven't had an opportunity to know Christ yourself, this is a simple prayer. I'd love to pray with you right now. Back in August of 1986, I prayed this very prayer. And someone explained to me that all you have to do is look at this much like a wedding. Anyone who ever have been to a wedding or married yourself, it's amazing how simple it is to say, I do to one another in front of a crowd, in front of a small group. And when you say, I do, that's when a covenant is formed. Guess how much effort that takes? It takes the fruit of your lips, and you are covenanted together. And if you've ever been through a divorce that happens sometimes, you find out just how married you are with those simple words. And you know what? That's all right. God's grace is here for us. But I want to absolutely let you know the greatest thing you can do this simple prayer I prayed in August of 86 has held me to an anchor like nothing I've ever seen before. But you know what? When you are born into the kingdom, you have to get born into a local church. You got to be connected. You got to be collectively connected to community that brings life. So I just ask you right now to bow your heads. I'm just going to pray this out loud and you wouldn't mind praying this with me. If you want to pray this prayer, Heavenly Father, I am sorry for my sins. 
And Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me and for raising again. Please wash me clean with your blood. Thank you for forgiving my sins. And I now accept and believe in you, Jesus, and receive you as my Lord and Savior. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit and I give you complete control of my life. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. That simple prayer and those who may be watching this at home, streaming this service, being able to say those simple words, if you believe that, that's how God made it possible for you to have eternal life in heaven. It was so confusing to me that that's how simple it is. That can't be that easy. You know what? If it was hard, only a smart person could do it. If it was expensive, only a wealthy person. God made it so a little child can go, Daddy, hold me, take me. And you know what? That simple little bit of surrender and humility is all God wants. And then he puts you into his family, gives you the Holy Spirit inside that you ask him for. And then he says, let's walk together until you're with me forever. But you know what? In the distance where we're at right now, let's have some heavenly habits. Amen. Let's do the things that make us radical Christians and make people go, I want to hang with them because this is the place to be. Amen. Thank you, guys. God bless you. Thank you.